Hi, I'm Carrie Hickenlooper at Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 3, Beware of Pride. Hello, and welcome to the Sister Scriptorian Podcast. I'm glad to have you here today. Okay, we're going to jump right into our topic for today, President Benson's talk, Beware of Pride. Last week, I asked you to read it or to watch it and to think about the impact that pride is having on you or on our culture. What are my thoughts? My thoughts are that it was thorough and layered. It was fantastic. For those of you who had an opportunity to watch it, were you surprised to see that it wasn't actually President Benson who delivered the talk, but it was President Hinckley? President Benson's health had been failing, and President Hinckley was asked to deliver his message. Was it just me, or did it even seem like President Hinckley felt that it was a sobering responsibility that he had been given to read the words of the prophet? President Benson sat behind him, attentive, you can tell that this was a subject that President Benson had studied and pondered greatly. And as I sit here today, I too feel humbled to speak on such a subject. For as President Benson wrote, Pride is the universal sin, and I am not innocent of it, even though I am constantly striving, stumbling, applying the atonement, and then again aiming high to try and be free of its tentacles, this is going to be a lifelong journey for me, like it is for the rest of you. And so I appreciate President Benson's observations and his diligence in trying to explain what pride actually is. And he narrowed it down to enmity. And enmity is a hatred towards or a hostility to or in opposition And he categorized pride into two categories. And I am a simple girl, and so I like things to be simplified. And I can remember two categories. Pride is either enmity towards God or enmity toward our fellow men. This simple definition has helped me greatly in the past several months as I have been able to catch myself quickly and assess whether or not, am I being in opposition towards an individual? Am I feeling hostility towards an individual? And it helps me to be able to course correct more easily. And that is the blessing that comes from studying such a, shall we say, tender topic. So let's review quickly what pride is. Pride is the fuel of the natural man. It is competitive by nature. It is the drive that is behind our rebellion. It is the sting in our offense. Pride is becoming puffed up in ourselves and rejecting counsel or correction from others. It alters our vision so that we start seeing others as our adversaries. And it allures us into finding fault with others and justifies the hurtful gossip that we speak. Pride is resistance to the authority of God in directing our lives. It creates feelings of envy for what we don't have, and it causes us to take great risks in living beyond our means in order to quiet it. It is fueled by jealousy, the fear of what can be taken away from us. Selfishness strengthens it, 
withholding gratitude and praise that might lift another coddles it. Refusing to forgive and disobedience gives it a false sense of strength. And the need for the world's approval of one's acceptance, value, and position keeps us stuck in it. President Benson reminds us that pride existed even before this world and was found in the councils of heaven. When Father presented his plan to us, his children, it was a plan that would enhance our opportunity to use our agency in a mortal body. It was a plan to discover our individual natures and enhance them. And without remembering our time with Father, it was a plan that was going to provide us an opportunity to seek after him, to learn of him, and to choose for ourselves to become like him. When we were presented with this plan, we shouted for joy. We were all in. Father knew that his children were going to make mistakes. This was a learning process. But a savior was going to be needed in order to be able to bridge the gap between our best yet mistake-filled lives and the justice and the glory of God. Jesus Christ offered himself by saying, Father, thy will be done and the glory be thine forever. He volunteered. However, another son, a rebellious and contentious son, also offered himself. But his offer had alterations and some conditions. Lucifer desired to destroy the agency of man. The agency of man is the most precious gift that Father had given us, and Lucifer intended to take it away. He intended to redeem all mankind that one soul should not be lost. Sounds lovely at first, but we who are here on earth must have abhorred this idea of our power of choice being taken from us. If you doubt this, have you ever spent time with a two-year-old? Agency is ingrained in them. It's part of their DNA, and it's part of yours also. It's part of your spirit. And your spirit didn't want to have anything to do with it. Lucifer also had conditions. He desired Father's power, and he coveted the honor that we devoted to Father because of his majesty, his wisdom, his goodness, and mercy, and his plan to elevate us. Lucifer wanted Father's honor for himself. Though there was no real choice, thankfully, Father chose Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. And Lucifer was angry with God's choice. And he rebelled against God further by pulling away a portion of God's children with his lies and his deceptions. And by the power of God's only begotten, God caused that Lucifer should be cast down and he became Satan. Satan's lies and deceptions continue to attempt to influence us by creating enmity, which is a hatred, hostility, or opposition towards God. And it's painful to think that we could have enmity towards he who has given us everything. To make complicated feelings simplistic, I ask you, whose side do you choose? It's really that simple. Our Savior Jesus Christ chose fathers. He did not add or take away from the plan. He did not submit a list of conditions or required payment. He simply said, here am I, send me. Sorry. 
the Savior's complete obedience to the Father's will is illustrated in John chapter 14, verses 6 through 11, where the Savior teaches to know him is to know God, to see him is to see God, to hear him is to hear God, not because they are the same person, but because they are of the same purpose. The Savior aligned his will, his thoughts, his actions, his purpose so perfectly with the Father's that his heart and mind were at one with God. Jesus Christ was and is the living example of humility and the perfect embodiment of the commandment, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Yes, he did. He loved Father and he kept his commandments. In contrast, Lucifer was not satisfied with Father's plan. Relying on his own intellect, Lucifer desired to usurp the plan of God. He who did not even have a body, who lacked mortal experience and had overcome nothing, disagreed with God's wisdom that man should have choice. He flattered God's children by testifying that he would not allow any man to be lost, that his power would ensure all God's children would return. But this was not done for love. This was done for honor and power, specifically God's power and God's honor. So whose attributes are you aligning with? Are they the Savior's? Obedience to the commandments of God. Obedience without alterations. Obedience without a checklist of demands and expectations. Obedience not because you have a perfect knowledge, but you have enough to know that it is what God would have you do. Obedience while you ask. Obedience while you keep seeking and obedience while you knock for added truth. Obedience because you know who Father is and you love him. Or do you find yourself aligning with Lucifer? Are you elevating your will, your wisdom, and perspective over God's? Are you refusing to bridle your passions and appetites? Do you bristle at accepting God's authority to give direction to your life? Do you give more weight to your wisdom and your limited experience than to the wisdom and experience of the God of everlasting to everlasting? Do you treat your talents and abilities and accomplishments as if they are greater than his priesthood? When you lack complete understanding or when you experience resistance to your will, do you react with anger and distance yourself from Father? I find peace in knowing that God knew all that mortality would entail. He knew the distractions, temptations, and disappointments and hurts that I would experience. He knew my soul would want to please him, but that confusion would inevitably cross my path. Like any parents whose one desire is to elevate their child and their possibilities, Father provided a way to become what we are destined to become. He provided commandments, eternal principles, saving ordinances to empower us on our path. We may not always understand the why and may question the need. There is no sin in not having a full knowledge. All Father asks of us is that we love him and keep his commandments. One of these commandments is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The difficulty we have in loving our neighbors is not merely a surface level discretion. 
It is actually a revelation of the inner rot that pride has had on our own souls. To simplify President Benson's remarks, I have categorized them into four C's. So the four C's of pride. The first one is conceit. And I think this is what we normally think of as pride. It's normally what we picture. It's that person who has an elevated sense of themselves. They use their intellect and their opinions and their accomplishments and wealth to raise themselves above others. And they believe themselves to be above par, a cut above those who surround them. Their needs in that moment are their central focus. They place more value in their perspective, making it difficult for them to be able to empathize with another person's point of view. And because of this, they become their favorite topic of conversation. And boasting is often used in an attempt to convince others of their greatness or their elevated importance. And self-gratification and fulfillment is their primary drive. This is where that puffed up description that we'll read often in the Book of Mormon comes from. That's a, a visual interpretation of what conceit or pride is, a puffed up nature. The second C is competition. So what is the common denominator with all enmity? It's competition, either being competitive with God's ways or competitive with your fellow men. Competition is the need to defeat or have superiority over your named opponent. When we see others as our adversary, we, our bodies, go into a fight or flight mode, and it's defensive in nature. We begin evaluating and ranking our opponent compared to ourselves, our strengths versus their weaknesses, our ability to overpower them with our skills, our intellect, and our power are taken into account. When we're being competitive, we eventually come to a conclusion that either elevates ourselves while diminishing another person, or vice versa. Both have crippling effects on our spirits. Now I know that there are some of you out there who have experienced great achievement because of the power of competition. Athletics and scholastics and other performances are frequently driven by competition. And we can find when we engage in them that we soar to new levels and reach personal bests. Now this is Carrie Doctrine. <laughs> And I would love to hear from you what your thoughts are. But my belief is that we can keep ourselves in check by competing against ourselves. When we develop the mindset to find out what our personal best is for that moment, to push ourselves to see what we are capable of without ripping apart on another individual's personal best, and also keeping in check conceit that may swell in us is the way to find balance. That's what my definition of good sportsmanship would be. Our third C is contention. So if you find yourself holding grudges, being easily offended, fault finding, and gossiping, beware of what drives your actions. If you aren't elevating another, you are diminishing them. If you find yourself withholding forgiveness to justify your hurt feelings or to keep others in your debt, you are elevating your hurt above another's need for redemption and reconciliation. If you withhold praise that would lift another person in order to not diminish your light, you are misunderstanding where that light actually comes from. Now, this will be the one and only time that I will ever reference Dr. Phil from the Dr. Phil show. But back in the day when I first started watching him and believed that it was going to be about the improvement of human relationships, he said something 
that I found helpful to understand the impact that an eternal principle can have on my physical body. It fascinated me, and for years I have tried to find a study that supports what he said, but I haven't been able to find one. So if you do, I would really appreciate it if you could forward that information on to me. I would love to just have that in my hands. But here is his counsel. He counseled those who were on his show. He said to beware of criticizing others with your thoughts or your words. Because according to Dr. Phil, studies show our brains do not have the ability to discern whether we are speaking ill of someone else or of us. Our bodies are reacting in the same way. If we're tearing someone down, our bodies are experiencing the ramifications as if we were tearing our own self apart. Now, I have found this to be true. When I have found fault with others, when I have harbored grudges, and when I have engaged in criticizing another person, my body experiences physical reactions to what I'm doing. I'll become tense, shaky at times, and a dark discouragement fills me. Because the creator, the architect of our bodies, knows the physical responses that our bodies have to enmity, no wonder he desires us to depart from it. No wonder he desires us to forgive others. It is a gift and a saving principle for ourselves. And finally, the fourth C is lack of confidence. What? You heard that. Lack of confidence. How is that prideful? Isn't that supposed to be a sign of a lack of pride? Well, think about it. When you are lacking confidence, what's going on inside? Who are you hating on? Who are you being hostile towards? Who are you in opposition to? Just because it is you that you are hating on and being hostile towards or in opposition of doesn't make it less of a problem. When you lack confidence, who are you looking to for approval? It is those you are associating with and it's the finicky opinions of society. When you are worried more about what others think of you than what God knows about you, that is pride. You've replaced him. Maybe not with riches and ambition and your own merit, but you have placed others before him. When you desire for the world to say you have value, you are demanding a second opinion to fathers that says that your worth is infinite and has infinite value. And these negative and diminished opinions of yourself are in direct opposition to what your father says you are. When we become occupied with self-pity, we fill our minds with self-defeating messages. We leave no real estate in our minds for the messages of hope that Father desires to fill with us. For those of us who have made covenants with God and have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, we are choosing feelings of hatred and hostility towards ourselves, which are in direct contrast to the peace, assurance, and love that the Spirit can bring to us. We're not making room for it. Of all the disappointments and unmet expectations that I have experienced, nothing has brought me more grief and weakening of spirit than when I harbor enmity towards my fellow men. It is crippling. It is deceiving. It stops me from being able to move forward, and my soul detests that. 
Sometimes the solution is as easy as reframing my thoughts or expressing gratitude or asking for help in that moment, and then I can move forward. But there are times, however, when I have nurtured a hurtful action or an insensitivity from another person, and I have allowed it to have a residence in my heart for much longer than it ought to have. I have only experienced a reduction in feeling the love of God, and I have diminished myself more than anyone else could possibly do. This is not the intention that God has for us. No wonder he desires us to depart from it. The only help that I can get in these moments is to recognize that my pride is a sign of my insecurity and that my father's commandment to forgive is his invitation to grow in strength. And when I accept that invitation, even when it's confusing and doesn't seem just, I grow in strength. That is what he would desire for us to become strong. Each of the four C's prevents us from receiving counsel or correction. Each of the four C's also isolate us. Humans need other humans. And the four C's of pride isolate us either by putting us above others or below others or distancing ourselves from God. Enmity makes it impossible to keep the first and second commandments. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. Love is the antidote. We'll find it in our studies that it always is. Love is the answer. It is the healing balm of love that rescues us from pride and untangles us from its grasp. Just like Lehi was commanded to depart from Jerusalem, who had found herself in direct opposition from God, the Lord would have us depart from pride, the pride that weighs us down. Instead, he invites us to come and follow him. And remember, because the Lord Jesus Christ chose Father, we loved him for that. And as we use our agency to once again separate ourselves from pride, we will find that just like in our premortal existence, the Savior can with his power cast out Satan, this time from our hearts, and point us back home, a home filled with love of God, love for others, and a love for ourselves. Good stuff. Okay, move forward this week. If you struggle with enmity towards God, practice trust this week. If you struggle with enmity toward fellow men, practice seeing them as God would see them. Sister Scriptorians, learn, liken, and lift others with the principle of departing from pride.